Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh, the music finally matches the tone. Oh my god. There it is. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast. I don't know how to do all those air horns and things like that. (laughs) Both got very good at the air horns. No Harrison, no vote, uh, no energy. We just have to – it's funny. Yesterday, fake energy, really down bad. Today, uplifted, feeling a lot better, no energy. It is what it is. We're presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated Sportsbook app, use promo code DNVR when you sign up. You got myself, Adam Marez, and the homie, Superstar Dev. Good morning to you, Dev. Good morning, good morning. I'm uh, I'm in a lot better moves. Like, things are, like, <laughs> starting to get good. Um, it's the morning. Um, we yeah. you know, came in the, uh, late last night, and um, it had the vibes of, of a loser's lounge, honestly. Totally did. Just not, you know, things to be upbeat or positive about, but – Hey, not even 24 hours and things have changed. So um, let's not bring up old stuff. Let's not bring up old stuff for sure. No, the Nuggets, look, there's twofold yesterday. So you listen to yesterday's show, still encourage you to go back and listen to it because there's a there are things that are obviously still pertinent from the conversation yesterday. We'll bring some of those back up today. I think it was twofold of what was so concerning about yesterday. One of which I get to like sort of take a victory lap on. Number one, DeAndre Jordan didn't like him last night. Still don't really like him. Like, I still don't um, sort of agree with that move, even in talking to people this morning and trying to get the, hey, what's the thought process here? I still don't love DeAndre Jordan, even for what he is, right? And we're going to talk about what his role is and what the team kind of expects of him here in a little bit. But still don't like that move. The equal, if not bigger, concern was also this idea of every single move up until this morning was a salary cap shedding move. And I went on last night and I took a lot of heat from this, both in the live chat, but also in the comments, also on Twitter, just also like seeing the conversation on different platforms or whatever, you know, saying, you know, defending the Cronkies. Oh, because I said the Cronkies, I believe they are going to spend money and that the front office had a green light to spend money. The Nuggets with today's move, not using their taxpayer mid-level exception last night, not using the traded player exception, all of the moves that were consolidating, losing money, spending less money. All signs pointed to them shedding money, trying to get either below the tax or get low enough on the tax so that that tax bill is so tiny we could barely call it a tax. Today, with signing Bruce Brown to a two-year deal on that taxpayer mid-level exception, one, they use the money that was available to them. Two, they have the highest tax bill now in 14 seasons. The Denver Nuggets do. They are going to have a tax payment at this very moment somewhere around $17 million. 
I think it's $10 million above 17 million is what they're going to end up owing in, in tax payments. And then on top of that, they maintain the flexibility, which I still believe they're going to use. They maintain the flexibility of using that traded player exception, making a deal at the deadline that actually raises that tax bill even more. Could they shed salary? Yes. I don't see the avenue to where they would just do a straight shed. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a spot where you could look at, oh, they're going to do this and just make their, make their bill like under the tax or anything here. I think they are actually set up to spend even more money. And that's on top of having one of the most expensive rosters in the NBA next season. So those are the moves that happened today before we even get on the basketball court. The two biggest concerns, DeAndre Jordan, going to talk about him and the, the role that the, that I believe the team sees him in. And then also talk about the fact that the Nuggets did finally pony up some money and are going to actually have a pretty expensive roster. Um, but first, I'll throw it to you. Vote, welcome, welcome aboard. Uh, uh, Superstar Dev, I'm going to throw it to you here, though, first. Bruce Brown, how much does that one signing change things for you when we talk about roster construction, roster, roster fit? I think that it changes uh, the whole idea of this was a, a bad offseason to now, like, they answered some of those questions that, that were needed. Um, I feel like everybody was right, um, you know, on different standpoints. I think if you're upset about the DeAndre Jordan signing, you had the right to be. If you were wanting, you know, Kroenke to go out and spend some money and not be cheap, you are right to say those type of things. Now he showed that he is willing to spend that money. Right. Um, so now you could, you know, calm down and take a break, uh, a break and, and take a step back. But now. Um, by, by the way, that's not a pat on the back. This isn't a like great job. This was the default that they should spend money when you have a contending yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, we're not going over the top here being like, oh, thank God, Lord Cronky for doing this. It's just that yesterday the pitchforks were out. Like, no, they're not going to spend. You're lying. You, you, you're fooling yourself. They're lying to you. This is now evidence that, no, the Nuggets are going to have one of the most expensive rosters and the ability to make it even more expensive at the deadline should they see an opportunity to. Yeah, that's go, a, go ahead. That is, a, that is a big caveat as far as, uh, like, they did what you're supposed to do for a team. They did what they're supposed to do. Uh, a, a championship contender. If you want to be one of these teams, you have to spend the money, and he's shown, shown that he's willing to spend the money. So, yeah, we're not. I'm not taking his side on that. I'm saying this is what you're supposed to do at, in this type of situation. But adding a, a piece like a, a Bruce Brown, now you're, you know, you're opening the door for different opportunities. You, you know, you have not only a, a backup, you know, shooting guard, but you also ha have a guy that could be slotted over into the small forward position. And that's where the right. biggest, you know, glaring hole was for the Nuggets, just having a, a backup small forward, especially with so much uncertainty around uh, Michael Porter Jr. Also, right. you answer what you said that you were going to do this entire time. You were going to you know, have a, a defensive team. You're going to have people that were going to be on that side. So I think that it this ac accusation is pretty big for the Nuggets as far as it just gives them so much insurance. Vote, vote. You were upset, as we all were last night. To what extent does it swing back now with the Bruce Brown signing? Well, before, just with the framing of swing back, because someone's already yelling at me on Twitter for switching up. I never switched up. I never. I know. This, it's so true. <laughs> I never thought this was a bad offseason. Yesterday, we had a signing to react to, and I thought it was a bad signing. Right. Um, I like the KCP trade, and I love the offseason and that trade even more now with this home right. run edition of Bruce Brown. That's the part is it was an incomplete move that felt. And even if you go through, by the way, if it wasn't Bruce Brown, Dante DiVincenzo would not have liked that. Like uh, Derek Jones Jr. would not have liked that. Like the options out there were Bruce Brown or a bunch of options that weren't good. Right. So 
this is a home run. Like with the MLE, like he took a discount. First of all, he took a discount to come to Denver. I don't know if you guys saw that detail, uh, which we kind of knew anyway, based off market value, but he, he referenced fit as the reason shout out Jokic. Um, but I just, I like this off season. The whole idea was to add two was to add multiple perimeter defenders and they added two high end perimeter defenders. One that slides right into the starting lineup. The other that's versatile. He's only, um, He's only a six four, so he's not a true small forward in that prototypical sense that we haven't seen Denver have. But he plays like two through four shit, sometimes even five. So off the bench, there's just enough different guys that you can piece together a couple different lineups. You can maybe go in a different direction when closing. There is an element to this roster that has not been present in the Jokic era right now, and that's defensive versatility. This is a home run signing. I love it. I said on this show yesterday, I thought it was a championship roster. I feel, I, I feel great about that take today after this next signing. Harrison, yeah, what's up, guys? I regret the chat. The chat, I by I the way, loving your new undisclosed location. Yeah, I just gotta switch it up on you. <laughs> Look, I I regret nothing that I said yesterday. I stand by everything that I said about DeAndre Jordan and that this offseason still felt incomplete. Now it feels complete to me. I think this Bruce Brown signing is an incredible signing. I feel like it's the steal of free agency to get him at $6 million compared to what a lot of these other guys are going for. I agree. Uh, Daniel like, House is the only other guy that is a, I mean, a defensive guard that went for below like $10 million or whatever. So honestly, yeah. like those two, and I think Brown is the better fit for Denver. Did you see what Lou Dort just went for? I mean, Lou Dort <laughs> is good, but he's not that much better than Bruce Brown. He's not like that much better based on like the contract. Right. I, see. I, I think this is a home run signing. It, it's a great fit. I feel like it completes the roster. The Nuggets wanted to get better defensively. They went out and made two big upgrades on defense, KCP and Bruce Brown. Brown also gives them a ton of versatility with their lineups too. I just wrote about this. You can find it on the DNVR.com. But if you want to go offense, you can right. go Jamal yep. Murray, Bones Highland, yep. KCP, Michael yep. Porter Jr., Nico Jokic. If you want to go defense, what is that Jamal offensive Murray, rating, real quick? Hold on. What is that offensive rating in that group? Because that's five million. More, yeah, that's like <laughs> all really good knockdown shooters with two ball handlers and, and Bones and Yoke and Murray who are going to be elite. Two, I, I mean, knockdown shooters all around the court. So to me, that's like a 125 offensive rating group. It won't play a lot, yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah. It will play like when you get to the playoff game and it's final 90 seconds and you have your timeouts, you do have offense defense lineups. If you have a right. timeout and it's the final 20, there's 20 seconds left on the clock. That's the, and you have the ball. That lineup is what you roll out there. And guess what? You're probably going to score. You're you put like Jamal Murray and Bones Highland as your ball handlers. Michael Porter Jr. here in one corner, KCP in the other corner, Nico Jokic, Jokic yeah. in the middle. Like, are you kidding? You're probably going to score. Like, that's. I don't think people quite understand how important it is. Again, I don't think you're going to play that lineup a ton of minutes because it's so vulnerable defensively. But how many times a season do you have to go offense defense? A lot. Denver has, at their full disposal, a elite offense lineup there. Yeah, so that's the offense lineup. And then the defense lineup can be Jamal Murray, KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, Nico Jokic. You know, that gives you three... Very good defenders. And then Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, who are both above average. I just think it gives them a lot of versatility. Yep. Bruce Brown's a really good cutter as well. If When he plays with Jokic, like 
Yoke's going to find him on a lot of good cuts. Like Bruce Brown has this way of finding space in a defense where you don't think there's space. So I love it. I love the fit. Yeah, that's the biggest you know component is that defensive lineup piece that the Nuggets just quite frankly have not had in quite some time, especially with the Jokic era. Just having the ability to throw guys out there and not have to question if it's going to be um, you know, a liability on the other end of the floor, I can go a long way. When you think about, you know, who this, you know, Bruce Brown type of piece makes happiest, I think it's like a Aaron Gordon. He needs to, I mean, he gets to understand that he does not have to chase guards anymore. He does not have to step out um, and overexert himself on that end of the floor trying to chase guys because now they have not one, not two, but multiple options that they, they can go there. If a guy goes down, you can just, you know, throw a piece in there. You could throw a guy that can still defend on that and then still have a, a above average defender, you know, down low. So I think just having the ability to just be able to switch guys on defense yep. and, and, and also attack guys on offense with these different type of lineups just gives the Nuggets so much. So I think it is complete now. I think what's so encouraging about this is that defensive component. And look, we all want Michael Porter to grow into the perfect version of himself that includes not being a mark on defense. I don't know if we'll see it, in part because we have to get him to play a full season, you know, working into that. He has some tools to it, but we just haven't seen the, him rise to the level where a Golden State is not saying, hey, this is what we're doing every time. Get him switched out onto Steph or to whatever and make the defense have to over-rotate because he can't stay in front of him. I hope we see it. We're rooting for it. There's Every player has a flaw. His is that one, and sadly, not being available for a majority of his career, he hasn't been able to prove that he can be that guy. I hope he can, because if he can, we don't have to worry about switching guys in and out. But if he can't, which is, I think, the more likely, you know, just we're saying what, what's reasonable to expect, you have an option to be able to play another defender, at least one, by the way, and then you have other guys – Christian Brown, Davon Reed, maybe Peyton Watson, guys who maybe can also fill that role by the end of the season. You feel more comfortable doing that. We'll see. But Denver does now have a five-man lineup that features no marks. Jamal Murray, Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, Jokic. If you want to keep isoing Jokic out on a perimeter, teams are going to do that. That's actually going to be their mark. But that's not like there's a difference between that and Michael Porter or that and whatever it is they had last year, Will Barton and Mike and you know whatever else. So now, to me, Denver does have a defensive lineup that probably is going to come in really handy in a playoff series. And here's the other thing for me on that. In the past, versions of these players in the Jokic era, Torrey Craig, Shaq Harrison, virtually zeros on offense, and neither of these guys are. KCP, not particularly versatile, but instrumental from the corners, can be a quality shooter from all over the arc. And then Bruce Brown, who... You know, he shot like 40% last year, but that was on one attempt per game, I think. And he was like wide open on all of them. Not much of a shooter, but he's right. he's not a, a zero. He can put the ball on the floor. The floater game is there. He knows how to take advantage of space. He did such a good job in Brooklyn finding the lob threat when he was open in the middle of the lane. Brooklyn did a great job of utilizing him that way. This is a guy that can be on the floor to help the defense without necessarily bogging down the offense, particularly with those other four guys out there. So just the versatility is there and they got defense, I think, without sacrificing offense in a way right. that we haven't necessarily seen thus far. Yeah, I don't want to you know, make it seem like Bruce Brown is just like a great offensive player, because I do think that there is some um, limitations to his sure. game. And we got to see that, especially in the playoffs um, when he, you know, shot 18 percent from three. 
um, yeah, you'd, like you just said, it was on one shot attempt a game. But also, like, with that, Adam, what does, like, having a guy like Jokic, like, how does that differ with having, you know, these different ISO offensive players that are really right. good um, in the half-court set, but now being in a role where you're doing um, DHOs and open up the offense and getting the ball a lot more? That's exactly it, is when you get got into the playoffs, especially, by the way, when Brooklyn fell down two games to none, like, the, the offense changed. It became significantly more just we're going to ISO our guys. Kyrie, in particular, just wants to, like, start to take over dribble, dribble. And now Bruce Brown becomes Daniel House. This is why I say those two players are somewhat comparable because they both can guard, but one is a standstill spot-up shooter. The other is a bit more of a driver slasher. And that's why I think Bruce Brown actually fits Denver a little bit better. I don't think Denver's going to ask Bruce Brown to stand in the corner and just spot up. Right. Like if teams are starting to sag off him, mean, he's a key play piece in a playoff series and teams are starting to say, we're going to force that guy to shoot. You can start to run dribble handoff action with him and Jokic in a way that's like, okay, now we can't just slack off and we have to actually step up and guard this action. And so that's why I think it's a little bit different from what his role was in Brooklyn. And I'm guessing it's part of why, what is he 25 years old? Like he's actually still kind of young. He there's reason to think that he will be better this season than he was last season as a player. Should he be a, a guy that's a worker and wants that? But I think also when you hear he signed with Denver because he wanted to come to Denver, I think part of this is he's probably like, I don't want to be a standstill guy that everybody right. just counts on me. Like right. I want to show that I can run dribble handoff games with the best DHO player in all of the NBA. I want to show that I actually can do that. So to me, that's the hope. I don't want to overstate what Bruce Brown can be on the offensive end because I do think he is like a flawed Limited. player. Yeah. But what is the offensive rating for a unit that is Murray, Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, Jokic? What's the offensive rating there? Because I still think it's like 118. Like That's still it's like still a very really, good. really good offense. It's still very good. I also think Bruce Brown probably looked at Denver and said, hey, I've played with some star players in the past and it's worked out pretty well for me. Denver's got some great offensive talent that I can kind of fit in and, and find yes. my niche with as well. Yeah. Look, Brooklyn and Denver, their offensive styles couldn't be more different. But right. in terms of like the offensive top end talent that right. Bruce Brown's playing with in Denver, pretty comparable to how he fit in and how well right. he played with those guys in Brooklyn. Yeah, I do think um, it's great that uh, Bruce Brown did, um, you know, with him being uh, the acquisition that happened today instead of on the first day with all eyes going to him and teams like doing their best to try to get that guy, I think it was great for him to come out and say, like, I want to go to Denver for this. Yeah. Like, I think that that goes a long way. And like, why, you know, people are thinking about it. It's not to say that he's like, you know, an important piece or anything right. like that, that people are going after, but I do think that it goes a long way and like, Hey, this guy chose this team over, you know, us what is the reason for it? And I think it's for those things. He's going to be able to explore his game and be able to offer more. He's going to be able to get a lot of minutes. I do see him playing, you know, 70 games this year. Like, I think he's going to be a real part of the rotation and also just that defense and, and being um, the change for the Nuggets. So I do think that this, like, uh, this pickup just goes a long way. Yeah. I, if there's concerns, because I love this in terms of Denver's best punch. I feel like not only did yesterday we say they had the best starting lineup, I think they have the most versatile starting lineup combos now. Because you look at the starting five, you look at Bones, and you look at Bruce Brown, and you could plug those guys into a starting lineup and make basically any type of team you need. They don't have a ton of length on the wing. That's the one thing. Like These guys have good wingspans. You look at a team like the Clippers, where you need a Paul George defender and a Kawhi Leonard defender. Bruce Brown is strong, so maybe he can be a Kawhi Leonard defender in some to the extent that there is one. 
but they're still maybe a little bit not not quite as long at the small forward position as you would like. Every team has a, has a weakness that would be un. But if you look at the one thing that I think is still a question mark, that second unit, if we go through it now, Bones Highland is going to be the point guard. I say this with great confidence. Ish Smith is, is going to be viewed as a third string point guard, not as a guy alongside Bones. So Bones now becomes the backup point guard, which again, Bones had a great year last year. Monte Morris is so steady. His highs are lower, but his floor is like consistently high. I do think you lose a little bit of with Monte of that consistency. You just knew what you were going to get out of him. And so that's one area that I think Nuggets fans, as you get into the season, you're going to start to notice. There'll be nights where the bench unit probably just doesn't have it. And we're going to be like, wow, they're better than this. Why are they playing so bad? They don't have that steady, that steady presence. Although maybe Bones grows into that. At two, now you have Bruce Brown, who to me is a great fit alongside Bones Highland now as, as a backcourt because he's a great defensive player and he can handle a little bit. So now I like that backcourt a lot as a second backcourt. I think it's going to be one of the best one, two second unit players in all of the NBA. The three is still a wild card. You've got Christian Brown and Davon Reed who are going to be fighting for minutes. Neither of those guys have proven to be an NBA caliber 15 to 20 minute per game guy, um, no, you know, shooting guard. So our small forward. So are those guys playing? Is it, does it become, are there moments when Zeke Naji or Jeff Green ends up playing the three? Probably, honestly. And my fear, if it, you, I had a fear for the rotation, it's that Michael Malone might default with so many young players to get through. He might default to playing Jeff Green out of position rather than give Davon Reed a runway to grow into that role or, or Christian Brown a runway. You got uh, Zeke, uh, Jeff Green and Zeke Naji, who I believe default into the 4-5. Will there be nights when DeAndre Jordan defaults to the player? Absolutely. But my understanding is that he will be a guy that does not play every single night, or at least that's the hope, is that he won't be a guy that has to play every single night. And there will be nights that you play Jeff and Zeke as your 4-5. As your There'll be nights when you, play, when you do play DeAndre Jordan. He gets 15 minutes here or there. So I look at that and I go, that's a good second unit. It's not a great one, and it's certainly going to be a hot and cold one to me. So the high-end talent, the playoff talent, the most important talent, your big minutes, but I do think there's going to be nights where that bench blows a 15-point lead or a 10-point lead. But I also think yeah. it's got a – go ahead, Win. Go ahead. No, I agree. I agree. There's still some holes in it, but I think if you match it up with a lot of other benches in the West, like Denver's right in the middle. I don't think they have the best bench. I don't think they have anything close to the worst bench either. Um, I just think when you look at that second unit, a lot of it could really be predicated on what is Bones Highland able to do in his second season and how much ownership does Michael Porter Jr. take over the second unit as well. I mean, that's the default here, right? Michael Porter Jr. should be able to really carry a lot of that bench unit offense. A plan, turn the bench from what it was last year and what it would be again this year without him, I think into a potentially dynamic offensive group. Like if he and bones Highland can run that show, that really could be what the bench unit comes down to this year. Yeah. A lot of the onus is going to be on bones Highland is everything actually like kind of relies on that because with Jamal Murray, you know, they're going to have to work them in. They're going to have to, um, not you know give them too many minutes especially to start out so now you're going to see a lot of more bones with the first unit you're going to see a lot of him meshing with that second unit and trying to get himself going so he's going to have a lot more responsibility then you have to push in the you know michael porter jr like you said he's coming off of an injury he's also you know probably the most important player on the team this upcoming year um zach lowe called him the most important player in the nba (laughs) 
that's I mean, that's a lot of responsibility on a guy that's coming off of multiple back surgeries that also has to, you know, revamp and get back into the offense. But also it just shows how dynamic this, you know, Nuggets team is, how, you know, how their second unit's going to be. So it is going to be a lot of new guys uh, that are getting put in, but a lot more responsibility on guys. So um, having to be able to have a versatile, you know, team, having to have so much, um, you know, responsibility on the defensive end, that is going to go a long way. So I do think that they answered both sides of the equation, but also there's just so many rotations that you're going to see that is going to switch it up. I think you are going to see a lot more Ishmith, you know, type of games. He's going to have to play because he's going to be sometimes a second, you know, guard. That bench unit has to go a long way. Um, so uh, I, I, like I said, DeAndre Jordan, you know, as much as I still do not like that move. Well, first of all, a couple things. One, I, I've heard Jeff Green lobbied for him. Like this, this was a vow. I shouldn't say lobby for him. Vouches for him. They're like, hey, this. I know this is cliche. Hey, he really is going to be a guy that behind the scenes helps this year. And the Nuggets are in a point right now where they need that. Was it worth the spot there? Again, it depends on how much he plays, how well he plays. I kind of get the sense that he is not brought in to be a player. I mean, he is going to play, but that that's not. They're like, hey, our best version does not maybe feature DeAndre Jordan playing. Like you go up, even in a regular season game, you're going up against the top teams. We're hoping Jeff Green, Zeke Naji slide over and take up those forward spots. So we'll see. That one's still very much a TBD, even though I would default to saying I'm concerned. I wish there was another player, um, another center. But whatever. It's such a marginal and small thing. They completed the rest of the roster. One interesting angle, though, to all of this is KCP and Brown – both sign here or, or join the team, both effectively have one-year contracts. Now, they don't have one year as in like DeAndre Jordan has one where you can't trade him. When you sign a player to a one-year deal, they effectively have a no-trade clause. Bruce Brown has a one plus one, so he is tradable. And by the way, might be a thing that ends up popping up as much as we all like him. When you talk about that traded player exception or what have you, Bruce Brown is a guy that you absolutely could trade at the deadline for that contract. And maybe you think, hey, we need more of an auto porter type at that moment or something, a longer solid three. So Denver has the flexibility there. But more importantly, they got these guys in the door because it's always easier to re-sign your guys. And even if it inflates your salary cap, it's easier to do that. So I think that as much as I really love these moves, they do set Denver up to both fail or to succeed in terms of they can re-sign these guys and this can be a roster for a couple year run. Or it sets them up maybe to fail and that if both guys are here and don't like it and you lose both of them, you you know, you are maybe a little bit more vulnerable to that down the road. So it is one thing for Denver. You always were going to have that vulnerability, almost always. But that is one thing to kind of keep an eye on is that both of those guys are effectively here for one year. And you hope you're kind of tied to the fact that they are not just here for one year. You don't want a Jeremy Grant situation, in other words, where you get a guy in and then all of a sudden he walks and you're like, well, now we're out. And by the way, that's where – you know, pay, not all paying, not all tax bills are created equal, right? So that's, it's awesome to see the Cronkies use, well, not awesome. It's better than not to see them use the mid-level exception, as you reported that the front office had had uh, the green light to do, but there will be questions going forward, right? And those are the how committed are you kind of questions. Do you spend up to retain those guys? You know, are they the, they the kind of guys that are worth pushing that luxury tax bill way up? Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but I, I am also probably more than ever like, more concerned with 
just seeing them get one and just this year in front of them. And I, right. you know, like I, I know with Jokic, you kind of don't want to completely take two eyes off of the future. But with the way the last two years shook out, what you lost out on, like I'm even comfortable with just all out. Like, look, we're just trying to get this one and we'll go from there. Right. I think the Nuggets also view Christian Brown as a guy that they hope plays this year, maybe not as a playoff player, but I think they hope that he has the bones trajectory, 50, sure. 60 games that he's capable of playing this year. Um, and as the defensive version of bones, not necessarily the offensive version um, where he can be a solid guy. And then you talk about going into next year. I think this year you hope he can play and maybe even help you get through, you know, the long grueling season, but that next year he's an additional defensive player that is just in the rotation, full stop backup shooting guard or backup small forward or whatever it is maybe even higher than that who knows and then next year i think you hope that peyton watson again this is way more of a long shot but i think you hope that peyton watson grows into what davon reed is supposed to be this year which is to say right. a guy that can play but not necessarily a guy you're counting on to play that his development is coming along and maybe two years from now he's in the bruce brown role where it's like no he's our go-to defensive guy off of the bench or what have you so it's clear to me what Calvin Booth did this offseason. It's extremely clear. Got rid of players that either were he felt were redundant, like Amante Morris, who I think you know the team loved, and uh, uh, Will Barton, who I think the team has been wanting to move on, but for whatever reason couldn't pull the trigger. They got rid of those guys. They brought in nothing but defensive players and got more defensive both now and in the future. And I think it's a good. I think it's a good plan. I actually think you step back and look at this offseason now and everything that they did, and I feel. You know what? It was a good. Was it a home run? No, I still think they could have made some kind of trade that brought in a more steady small forward option. Should Michael Porter get hurt? But I think it's a really, really good one. It might be a double. Like the offseason might be more of a double than it is a home run, but it's certainly not a, a swing and a miss. Yeah, I agree. And for everybody saying they weren't going to pay the taxpayer at mid-level exception, they did. You right. were wrong. And well, uh, so here's, I'm, I'm, and every, I'm ready for a lot of apology tweets. I actually get, see. I actually get why I do too. That, that's the thing. It I was a too. wait till we see it. Like the Cronkies had to prove it for everything totally. you and Adam were saying, which I knew you guys weren't making up. And I believed you. I just understood a fan sitting here watching that going, I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly. Exactly. I understood. I understand the, um, the warranted and well-earned reputation sure. and, and fear about the Cronkies not doing that. I just, Again, people lie to us all the time. People tell us like their perspective of rose-colored glasses. I just, I did not believe that was the scenario. I always believed that the Nuggets were going to get to a point where they weren't just spending two million into the tax, but significantly. And seventeen million with the option to add more salary at the deadline to me is like, again, not a pat on the back. This is not a like good job. No, this is it's like not. They're, it's they're doing the exactly what they were supposed it's like, to do. Cool. Okay, let's move. Yeah, on. exactly, exactly. This is. I want to make that crystal clear. Yeah. So do you think that the Nuggets like I are they done for the offseason? And also, isn't there just one more piece that they could do as far as like a two-way option? Well, yeah, they can't add a second two-way. Two they right. can't add I I'm I'm told the Blacko thing, you know, it's been reported by Mike Singer that they expect to sign him. I think that's true, like on a minimum deal, so he'll be back. I know everybody looks at that as a wasted roster spot. Kind of is. Of all the guys, like he, to me, Vlatko is as about as, as reliable as an Ish Smith. Meaning, like, I, I did not want Ish Smith to have to play 60 games next year. I, that, I think that would have been bad, especially if he was playing 20 minutes a game like Monte did. I think that would have been bad. You put him in a third role, somebody rolls an ankle and he has to play for a month, I think it's fine. I don't think he's, like, a guy that teams are going to alter their game plan because Ish Smith is on the court. 
in a playoffs they would, but not not in a regular season. And he can hold his own. I think Flacco's the same. Like Zeke Naji or Jeff Green goes down for a month. I actually think you could plug him into whatever role those guys were penciled in for, and you're not going to necessarily drop off. Anything more than that? Absolutely. With the added bonus of he is sort of the Thanasis of this team. Like he sort sure. of is the Jokic brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he is sort of the a Jared Dudley and you know a, a, a good addition. So um he's not a totally wasted spot. I don't mind it. And again, it's a minimum. If they get into a bit a pinch, they can always shed that and go somewhere else. It does yeah. put them deeper into the tax by adding him, correct? Like and it sure. does, exactly. So they right. and again, so they are going to have a 15 man roster spot. They're going to end up paying him. I, I think it's a $2 million deal, but will end up costing them even more than that. So I think the Nuggets are going to end up, like I said, uh, paying close to $20 million in the tax before you get to the trade deadline where there is that opportunity to add $9 million in salary in some kind of two-for-one trade or whatever and end up going up even higher than that. Yeah, I got to head out. This will be the last thing I say. But um, I think a big reason why Jeff Green is still here, Mike Malone loves him. Like Jeff Green's a huge Malone guy. He trusts him. And I think he's going to be in the bench rotation next season. And I wonder if Denver leaves the second two-way spot free to see if they could uncover a gem at Summer League. Mm. Like I wonder if that's what the plan mm. is. Um, good stuff, Wynn. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. I do think uh, I agree with Wynn that, that the the Denver has often had a two-way immediately and then added one after Summer League. Like you kind of wait, wait through. So I expect that to be the exact same scenario. Um, but yeah, the Nuggets roster is complete. I agree on the Vlaco point, by the way. I actually kind of don't like the Jordan roster spot more. I know everyone loves him, so we'll see right, what right. that impact is. But it's okay to have one person on your roster who's not supposed to play. And as far as those guys go, you actually can play Vlaco as opposed to a bull, right? Well, I will say this, though. This is the Nuggets' last four roster spots. Vlatko, Ish, DeAndre, Peyton Watson. Watson's the guy that actually isn't going to play. Then... Ish Smith and DeAndre Jordan sound like they will play, but that That's both true. of them, both of them are like more. situational and might not be every night, even when healthy, they'll get some DNPs. And then Vlaco's exact same thing. It's a lot of DNPs and only slots in, I think, if somebody gets hurt or something like so you do end up having four guys who three of which four. three of which you can play and feel all right about, depending on how you feel about DeAndre Jordan. Um, but it is whatever. But you know what? We criticized Tim Conley in the last era because he had bowl bowl like project players at the end, and that's what you I'm know, saying. Whatever. Flacco's playable at least, and now these guys aren't project players; they're veterans. Other right. than Peyton right. Watson, they're veteran players that you're like, hey, if we need them, we have them. So, I think with most teams, if you analyze their 13, 14, 15 spots, they're not that great. Even though I do think that they can come and and play a big role, a la Gary Payton in the playoffs. Any final thoughts before we uh, all head off to our weekends? My final thought is that uh, I just feel like the Nuggets, they've had a plan going in, and I feel like they have, you know, went through with that plan. I think that there was great, you know, overreaction, and I feel like you're supposed to do that in those type of situations. Last night, that that was not the team that we're seeing today. There was still some question marks. There was still some red flags that they answered with one um, key piece, and I feel like if you look past the DeAndre Jordan, which you should, he's going to be like the 15th guy on the team, the 14th guy, mm-hmm. just have a guy there. They still did what they wanted to do. Um, they still got better. This is a better team than they were last year. They still answered the biggest piece that they had to be a championship team. Can they slot, stop somebody? Can they slow a team down? They can do that now. 
while also getting back very, very good offense. So do I feel a lot better than I did 12 hours ago? Completely. And it was all off of one thing that actually answers so many other things. So I feel like all is good in the world. We'll, we'll talk about this a little next week, but is this the best Nuggets roster of the Jokic era? It's the most complete. It's the most complete. I think so. I think. I don't think, all, I think yeah. I think we're not that far removed from the real the answer to that question, and I think they've retooled to cover weaknesses or at least shift like the balance of problems from postseason problems to regular season problems, right. and that's, that's good because this is a team true. that has all these point. different routes to surviving and winning regular season games anyway, namely the best player in the world. So they're better set up for the thing that they haven't done yet. And I just think you have to feel good about it. I don't, I really like this roster. I want, sometimes you juxtapose the roster as it is with 100% a plus plus. They nailed it just for the sake of outlining what could have been better. What hasn't been done, whatever are those holes are going forward. Didn't think, don't think Jordan's a good backup five. Don't think they have a legitimate small forward outside of Peyton Lawson on the roster. Um, All that said, the bottom line was to get better defensively, and they did. So this has been a good offseason. Um, let's start at the first. Let's go in order of how they came in here, Kale, for these super chats before we get out of here. You guys rule. I love this one, James. A $20 piece. Look at this, James. I've never actually seen James Davis, I don't think, in the in the chat, at least not that logo. You guys rule. Fun bench unit dream. Bones, Brown, Brown, MPJ, Zeke. Hey, man, I, I think we'll see it. I think we'll see it at some point. I don't think that's a roster that'll have zero minutes played together. I think we'll have a chance to an opportunity to see that. It's really young, um, but you know what? It's fun. I, there are definitely – here's when we were asking about is this the best lineup. Here's what I would say. I think this is the best best-case scenario lineup. Denver has had, I think, deeper, almost like more – like less vulnerable to a disaster. This is one that if everybody's healthy and everybody plays the role they're supposed to, I think it's easily the best and by a, a pretty good margin. But that MPJ injury, that small forward, that that could throw a little bit of a wrench in here. Um, what else we got? Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, dos colores. I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> I think there should be something with the brown brown. I think. Brown I know we lost. Green. We had two greens. What? Now we have two browns. There's something funny there. Same, but different. You know the worst part about this offseason? Christian Brown's spelling of his name. That's it's the worst part. Hey, Robin, the Andre Jordan signing. Just in terms of uh, what is this guy gonna make? Watch Robin Lopez agreed to a one-year deal with the Cavs. Um, How much? That that's we don't we don't know that. Oh, that okay, okay. We're we're just saying that. so that it, just just because people have said, is he the only? I'll say, out there I, I, will say I will say this. I I am very confident the team liked DeAndre Jordan better than Robin Lopez. Right. So that's what it so, was. They liked DeAndre Jordan to some extent. They liked him better than the options that were available to them. Um, you know, it, it, and I could list off a name. Maybe I'll list them off b before too long. But there were a bunch of players like Robin Lopez that that were out there, and they liked DeAndre Jordan the best for whatever it's worth. All right, what else we got? How important will Najee and Bones be to a deep run? I think they're going to be vital and both need to set up in the playoffs if we're going to win it. No question about it. I mean, here's the thing about Denver's playoffs this year. We just listed off their top seven to me or top six are pretty unassailable when you talk about the top five guys. Plus, you have Bruce Brown that slots right in there. Bones, you got to be able to guard in the playoffs. You've got to. And I think he's going to be like a Jordan Poole. Denver doesn't have as good of a defense as the Warriors do, though. Like Jordan Poole on Denver would be similar to Bones in that you're like, man, there's some configuration. 
where it just doesn't work. You have not enough defense. So Bones and Zeke both have to grow into that still, even from where they are, they still have to grow into it. And I think that's a big part of whether or not Denver's going to succeed or fail in the playoffs this year. Are they there defensively mm. by the time that you get to that moment? Um, shout out to DNVR crew have made this offseason easier to na navigate as always. Thank you for making me a smarter fan since the Sith days. Hell yeah. Chances for Bones six man of the year in next three years. Really high. Six I million would, year people that score. The biggest wrench would be him not sliding into the starting lineup in the next three years. Maybe. I mean, I still like Bones as the sixth man and a guy that can, like Jordan Poole, a guy that can close for you, but not necessarily a guy that starts games for you. I mean, we'll see how long he wants to be that guy. But I think this has to be the year that he has the chance of six man of the year because I think he's going to play some starter minutes for a lot of times. So he's going to be able to get his numbers and, and things like that. But also, He's going to be less like a more prominent name because he's going to be a guy that is going to be scoring a ton and they're going to be fun. Yeah. All right. What else? You got? Oh, sorry. Don't worry about DeAndre. It's only for the vet short term. <laughs> Ishmael 2023. If our guy Flo just loves his, his friend it. brother, Ishmael. Kamigate. Hey, maybe. It I've heard more enthusiasm from Flo on Kamigate than I could have pulled out of him about Gobert. I have tried. Well, here's thing you have to think about it. imagine we had just a random serbian nuggets fan since 1992 and all of a sudden they draft nikola Jokic. imagine how hyped they would be that's that's yeah. flow he's been a 30-year denver nuggets fan all of a sudden we have a frenchman he's like hey we got to do this so shouts to flow what else we got feel like the second two-way has to be another true center i don't i mean maybe i here's the thing i don't centers i think you can find for cheap and they're not that important especially in the playoffs We'll see what they do. We'll see what they do at that second two-way. I think if I were to be a betting man, I would bet that they find another Peyton Watson for their second two-way. I think they're just going to be buying lottery tickets as a small forward defender until they find one, and it might take years. Who knows? But I, that would be my bet. Dev, uh, I, we asked this question last time, but after the Bruce Bryant Brown signing, do you think this is a team that can win a title? I do. I do. And I was not feeling that before then just because of that second unit. Just because not having a small forward in a league that the the guys, you know, the bigger guys are going to be the dominant people, especially in the West, um, and not having a guy that can you can just throw out there and put on them is going to go a long way. So I do think that this makes them a lot better, a lot more complete. And also you have so much offense and now you answered with so much defense. Now we have to see it, you know, finally play into, you know, fruition. But I think it's good. I, I forgot this detail that somebody pointed out to me. Bruce Brown, Davon Reed, teammates in Miami. So, like, there's another little connection here. You got DeAndre Jordan and, and Jeff Green Jeff teammates Green in Brooklyn. So, little connections here. Um, what else we got? Oh, by the way, and you also have Christian Brown, who played for Mocan Elite, made famous, obviously, by Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. So, you got another connection. I hope we see Jeff Green's versatility used this season, especially at backup five. I, ex I expect it. I mean – the coach makes those types of calls. The front office gives him the ingredients. I think that the expectation is that they will play a lot of those minutes with him as the, either the four or the five. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and then Levi Hunt asks, can Denver re-sign Brown at more money if he opts out? The answer is yes. I think it's a 20% raise. And I'm told it's similar to what Jeff Green did with his one plus one does the first year, opts out the second year, and then got a tiny raise. So Denver can off offer him that 20% raise. Um, and again, this is 
things that every time I have one of these questions, I go to my guy Bronco Squatch who, who helped me out with that one. So the answer is yes, it's a marginal one. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. But again, <laughs> Denver, these moves I think are on are, are out there from time to time. There's moves at the trade deadline. You should have a sense of what a player is thinking, you know, by then, at least you hope so. Um, so hopefully Denver kind of knows going into this year's trade deadline, not just how to set up the end of this regular season, but what it sets them up for next year. So that does it guys. We're all going on vacation, um, emergency pod here just to get that out, um, and kind of share our updated thoughts because yesterday did not seem great. Today seems significantly better and much more complete. I'm excited for summer league next week. I'm excited for an off season. And then I'm very excited to get back at it. I was worried. I wasn't going to be excited to get back at it. I'm excited to be, get back at it next year. Um, and that's what we needed. Everybody have a great weekend. Happy fourth. We'll see you next week.